0: You know that we are taking the summer to go through the book of Ephesians. Uh, Anyone having a good time going through Ephesians together? (laughs) Come on. Man, I love the Word. The Word isn't just something that we open to get encouraged. I believe, and we believe here, that Scripture is something we build our lives on. This is how we know God. It's how we follow Him. It's one of the main ways and the authoritative way that we hear His voice. And so I want to invite us as a church to be reading through Ephesians together as as, uh, we're kind of rounding this off for the summer. Um, We went through the first half of Ephesians, and we're kind of taking some of the second half to do a series called walk worthy. um, Real talk about real issues in Ephesians 4 and 5. And since we start today, I want to ask you a question. We're going to pick up and we'll get to our scripture in a minute in Ephesians 5. But as we go there today, without showing your hands, I just want to ask you a question to kind of get you thinking. How many of you would say you have a lot of extra time on your hands? Without a show of hands. How many would say Man, I got a lot of extra time on my hands. I'm just kind of like looking for something to do, you know. Uh, I got plenty of time to just pursue all the things I want to do. I bet if we would have raised our hand not too many people would have raised their hands. Maybe some of you are in transition. Maybe you came back to college earlier. Maybe some of you are just getting back. By the way, we got some of our engaging nations. A few of you interns back from the summer. Uh, Those of you guys that have been in Southeast Asia, we're going to hear in a couple weeks some testimonies. God has done great things. Maybe you're in a time of transition. Like, I got some actually extra time. But most of us would say, yeah, time is not necessarily abounding for me. Uh, most of us would probably say we, we don't feel like we have the time to do and pursue what really matters the most to us, I think, if we're to be honest. Today, I as we continue through Ephesians, I want to talk about time, and the text has taken us to talk about time. And I believe that today as we look at this scripture, whether you feel like you have all the time in the world but aren't using it or you feel like you have none and it just, all the things you want to do or the things you value or want to make time for just seem out of reach. I believe that God, through his word, is going to give us some fresh perspective on time. And I believe uh, we're going to leave today with kind of a new lease, if you will, on how we see and view time. And so I want to turn to scripture and let the word of God speak to us. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 to 17. We're going to pick it up where we left off last week. Look carefully then how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. By the way, if you need a Bible, put your hand up. We've got some guys who love to get one in their hands. So I'm going to read that verse one more time. As it's going to speak to us about time. Look carefully, then, how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Okay, well, I want to dive in and, and, like I said, I believe this is going to give us uh, some fresh perspective and clarity on time and, and how we use it. Now, it starts by saying to walk carefully. It says in verse 15, I want to read that again, look carefully then how you walk. Look carefully then how you walk. Now, I want to remind us the context of this passage, because whenever we're reading scripture, we want to just stop and think, what is a, why is it saying this? And as I've said throughout this series, Paul, who wrote the book of Ephesians, Wrote it in kind of two main parts. The first three chapters really talk about what Jesus has done for us, basically, the good news what the cross, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus mean for us and why that is amazing news. And the second half of Ephesians talks about basically how we walk that out. What does the good news mean when the rubber meets the road and how we live our lives? Because the good news isn't just something that gets us into heaven, but it has the power to transform every aspect of our life and how we live it. And so <laughs> Paul has gone through a list here of saying uh, the old man kind of lives like this and the new man, after he or she hears the good news and begins to walk with Jesus, the new man lives like this. And we've gone through a list, everything from uh, hiding the truth to telling the truth, to stealing and generosity to, um, to a number of different aspects. And now Paul is basically saying um, that, that if we are... A believer, if we follow Jesus, if we've heard the good news and we believe this truth, it's going to change the way we live. It's going to change our perspective on why we live and the motives, the motives on what's why we live and how we view the world. And therefore, Paul is saying, in light of the good news, in light of the context and what she's already been talking about, and we've been preaching through, take Heed. Now that word, uh, walk carefully, that word literally means to take heed or to listen and pay attention. You know, I think a lot of times we're going so quickly through life, just going to the next need, to the next decision. I know we have, a, my wife and I have a weekly planning meeting and it just is like fills up before we get there. We're like, we've got this thing and this thing and this thing and this thing and this thing. And we're like, we're both coaching teams. We're doing that. It can feel like we are literally just going from one thing to the next. And uh, what I've found in my own experience, just take it from uh, someone who has done it the wrong way, nobody with lots of responsibilities Went into a week with no priority and no plan, just reacting to everything around them and said, Man, that was that was just reacted to everything this week, but I feel so close to God and so connected with my purpose. It's just weird. Right? I don't think anyone's ever said that just reacting and going through the motions and said, Man, I'm so connected to God. What we notice as we go through life, the world around us, the needs around us, the chaos of life pulls us towards mediocrity. You ever notice that the needs of our lives, the chaos around us, pull us towards drifting through life? You ever driven with your wheels out of alignment in your car? Anyone? All right, a, couple, a few people in the front have. What happens is it just pulls. It just pulls towards the middle or it pulls towards the side, and you almost kind of have to correct it because it's pulling one direction or the other. Life pulls us in the direction of chaos, which leads to drifting and mediocrity. And that's why I believe Paul is saying, look carefully how you walk. Ads will be screaming at you, telling you you need something, <laughs> Your kids, if you have them, will be screaming at you. Your work will scream at you. Your finances at some point in life will scream at you. Everything at some point will try and get your attention. And Paul says in the midst of that, Scripture says, to look carefully how you walk. We need, therefore, to be intentional. This next segment of verse 15 says it like this. says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. That next verse even says, making the best use of your time. It says, not as unwise, but as wise. Verse 16 says, making the best use of your time. Now, notice those words there talking about, um, the words there say, wise and best. Wise and best. You know, sometimes, we're sitting in life, it's like, man, I I I don't feel like <coughs> I don't feel like I have time for whatever. I'm not doing anything crazy. I just don't feel like I have time for the most important things in life. We're trying to figure out how to make more time. But as this passage says, wise and best, yes, the bad things in life steal from the best, but I often believe it is the good things in life that steal from the best. I believe one of the reasons we don't have time for the best is oftentimes we're saying yes to every good thing, but we miss the best thing. Scripture is saying not as unwise but as wise, making the best use of our times. Time. You know, oftentimes someone asks us to do something or a need comes up or an opportunity comes up, and we look at our calendars, it has that blank space there. And we're like, I got time. I'm not doing anything. And instead of saying, I'm not doing anything, we need to ask the question, is it wise? In light of what I'm trying to do, in light of my priorities, in light of the good news of Jesus and what he's called, is it wise? Does it make sense? Well, some of you guys might be sitting here saying, man, Listen, you don't know my life, you know, I don't know, I I got a lot going on, so I I thought, you know, I'm definitely not saying you're not busy, because you probably are, and I think, you know, when we kind of go around today, it's oftentimes what you hear is, hey man, how you doing busy, man, been busy, how you doing, been busy, been busy. I, I, I do know this, though, that we all have the same number of hours in our week, right, you look at people that are like crushing things in life and they're like getting all this stuff. And I'm like, how do you do it? It's like you have extra hours in your week. But I've always been challenged by the fact that we have the same amount of hours in our week. So I thought I'd just kind of take a minute and break this down. I know I did this maybe a year and a half ago, but I just kind of want to remind us. Uh, we have 168 hours in our week. If I can get that slide up about uh, how we spend our week. We have 168 hours in our week. we got to fill it with work. We've got to fill it with sleep. We have commuting time. We have time we need to eat. And then we have some time maybe left over. So I thought I'd just kind of take some time and, and fill that in. We have 168 hours in our week. If you uh, take 50 hours of work out of that, you know, you're cranking, you're booking. I think a lot of times we're, we... We spend a lot of time at work, but remember what I talked about that stealing versus generosity sermon sometimes? We're on LinkedIn and we're on Facebook. But let's say you're cranking 50 hours of work. Let's say you're actually sleeping eight hours a night. Anyone actually sleep eight hours a night in here? You can pray for the rest of us. Um, I'm getting better. I'm getting closer. If you are sleeping eight hours a night, that's amazing. Let's just say you got an hour commute a day. And then let's say you eat 10 hours a week, which is kind of funny if you think about it. Just like we literally spend 10 hours a week putting food in a hole in our face. You ever think about that? You're like, I am just spending my life eating. And that's just God's wisdom. And just we're human bodies in this, in this world we live in. Uh, but 10 hours a week eating might as well make it good. So I believe my math is correct. That would take us to 45 hours left over. Now, you might be saying, hey, I got a long commute. You might have kids screaming at you or diapers to change. or like, like we're, we're coaching two sports teams uh, this season. We, we have things going on, so I thought I'd just give it some margin for you. Let's just cut that 45 in half because we all have a little chaos in life. Take it down to 22 and a half hours in a week. <clears throat> so how are we spending... 22 and a half hours. Um, well, I, I think a lot of us maybe haven't taken time to stop and say, okay, look carefully at how I'm spending time. I know for me, when the iPhone started coming out, there's screen time report that would send it to you once a week. Anyone get the screen time report? I don't know. Sometimes it sends it. Sometimes it, sends it. it would send me all of a sudden. It just. It, maybe it, it knew it as a Lord it just knew I needed to see it. It would tell me, it would just send it to me and pop up on my feed. Here's how you spent your time this week. When that started to happen for me, I was offended. I was like, that is the wrong, that's the wrong report. I, I don't spend hours on my phone a day. You know, what, what are you saying? And I did, okay, some it was texting, and I text a lot for work, and okay. But, but just being real, I was spending way more time on my phone, whether it was business stuff I need to do or just dumb apps or like looking at some random news article, whatever, I was spending way more time than I thought. <clears throat> and uh, I think if we're to be honest, if we're to, you can actually look, we did that once before, you can actually see how you're spending your time if you have an iPhone. Um, if you're like me, you probably spend more time just browsing and just like consuming information like, man, that's that person I forgot about from third grade, and here's what they're eating right now. I'm, like, so glad to know that. Like, made my day. Forgot they existed. Just spend a time. And I've had to, like, embarrassingly, just to be honest, I've had to, like, embarrassingly set boundaries around my phone. And, like, my wife is, not great was talking to someone else this week. Who also has a wife who does this. My wife has literally had to call me out at times, like, hey, like. I feel like you're a little distracted right now, feel like maybe a little anxious or somewhere else because you're like in your phone and like I'm over here, you know, not on a date, but just in life. Um, Some of us, it's ESPN, you know, some of us, it's our favorite show series. Some of us are different uh, things maybe we tend to binge on and I'm, first of all, I'll say absolutely – in and of itself, as long as it's not leading us to sin, there's there's nothing wrong with those. We're people, and I believe we're made to enjoy things. And so, absolutely not saying there's anything wrong with it. It's kind of more neutral. In fact, it can be at times, if it's in the right way, maybe kind of a filler for us. But um, I have to ask us, though, if, if that much time is always really helping us. You know, sometimes... Um, we're doing kind of those neutral things, scrolling, looking at our friends from third grade and, you know, trying to figure out what they're doing and, like, looking at a random person's profile. It's like they would be creeped out if I if they knew I was looking at their profile right now and don't like anything. It would be weird. You know, it was whatever. Uh, we're, like, going through. And, and all of a sudden, I, I think what happens, we can um, we can go from neutral to negative without realizing it. We start not just kind of wasting our time browsing, but all of a sudden we start comparing. Oh, man, they're on vacation. I wish we had more money to be on a vacation like that. Or why isn't my life like that? Or why have they, that third-grade friend, they look the same, but I put on 30 pounds. What's wrong with me? You know, why am I not there? Or, Or maybe we're not comparing. Maybe we're jumping into arguments that don't really have any fruit. It's just stirring the pot and stirring the pot and just, what are they saying? What are they saying? What are they saying? What are they, saying? What do they say about this thing? What do they think about this thing? Or maybe it leads us to spending time worrying. I think a lot of us literally just waste time worrying. We are projecting and spending mental time and emotions into outcomes that haven't even happened yet. And we're like living in them emotionally and mentally already. As I've said before, worrying is like a rocking chair. You can put a lot of energy into it, but it's not going to get you anywhere. <clears throat> put it for to be honest, I think we not only spend our time on stuff, we spend our time comparing, worrying, uh, and, and, and jumping into kind of the, the anger of the day. And our culture spends a lot of time doing this. Our culture does not make it easy for us. As Business Insider articles says, the average American spends thirty-five hours a week watching TV. <laughs> thirty-five hours a week—that's like a full-time job. It's like I go to my work and then I watch TV. It's like I'm—I'm I'm like a professional TV watcher. You know, that is crazy. As a culture, we are. Filling our lives with things that don't matter. As a culture, we have adopted as normal. If people are spending even close to 35 hours a week watching TV, we have adopted as normal that we fill our lives and fill our appetites and fill our pain with things that don't really matter in the long run you might say, well, I'm not that bad, I'm not 35 hours a week, I'm just kind of normal. But I want to say, man, looking around at our culture, normal isn't working. Normal's not working. As Christians, it matters how we spend our time. I'm absolutely not saying that some of those things are bad. But what I am saying as Christians, it does matter how we spend our time as believers. And so let me remind us from the text the context in which we're living in, and kind of illustrate why that matters. Verse 16 says this making the best use of our time because the days are evil. Again, scripture is saying, look carefully how we walk, not as unwise and wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Now, uh, that word time, there's numerous biblical words for time in Greek words, which this is originally written in the New Testament. <clears throat> numerous words for time. Uh, one of them was chronos, which more means like moments of time. And there's kairos, which is more like a window of opportunity or a favorable time. Now this word here, when it says making the most of our time, is talking about kairos talking about Kairos. So it's basically saying we need to make the most of this window of opportunity and this time of favor that we have here on this earth. Let me kind of illustrate it with something. This last weekend we had a staff retreat. Uh, we just got back last night, went up to the mountains. Y'all got a great staff, by the way. Um we went on a staff retreat and we took all our family and kids up there and, and every time I know I said this before, but every time we travel somewhere with kids, it is like it's like its own thing. You know, it's like it's like its own day worth. Like we're like, oh, we're traveling out of town. We need to prepare three days in advance, you know. Uh, the kids really want to take their like their entire room. You know, so it's like every possession, they want it like reset up in their room, how it is, and like every toilet. Like, we might need this random little thing you haven't thought about in two years. So we'll just take it and set it up. No, we don't allow that. But but literally, if they could have it that way, they'd probably have their entire room set up, you know, in this little lodge place we're staying, right? But wouldn't that be weird if they, like, set up their entire room and recreated it, like, right there uh, in the lodge? Or right? It would not only be weird, but they'd be missing the window of opportunity. It's like, we didn't come here to sit in a room. And do the same things you could be doing. There's mountains. There's people we're here with. Don't miss the window of opportunity by dragging everything you have in your life in a place that's not even home. In the same way, we live on this earth that is not our home. I've been studying First Peter, and the whole theme of the book is talking about that we are exiles on this earth, that we are sojourners called by him to, to declare the praises of him who uh, called us from darkness into light. Earth is not our home. We are not made for this world. We are made for eternity. And in this short life, we have a season of favor we have a window of opportunity to take that world and God's kingdom and his love and his truth into this world. This passage says the days are evil, and we have a window of opportunity to be the light of the world and bring the love of God in our relationships, in our marriage, and reflect him wherever we go. As a theologian in the movie Gladiator said, which was accurate, he says, what we do in this life echoes in eternity, In this short life, we have the opportunity to live by faith. In heaven, we won't have the opportunity to live by faith because we'll see him face to face. We have the opportunity to live by faith. In this short life, we have the opportunity to display Jesus through the way we love our friends and our spouse and our kids. In this short life, we have the opportunity to bring the best news in the world to a hurting world. In this short life- we have the opportunity to impact eternity. We can either sow into ourselves and sow into and entrench ourselves here in this life, or we can sow into what matters the most and sow into God and his kingdom and the relationships he's put in our lives, but it matters how we spend our time. I've never met someone who came to the end of their life and said, man, I wish I would have just like, watched more YouTube videos. <laughs> I mean, I wished I would have just like taken a, 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 like more time at work to make more money. No, people say, man, I wish I would have been more intentional with my kids. I wish I would have understood Sabbath rest better. Instead of just wasting my time trying to fill myself with things that never brought rest, I wish I would have actually rested I wish I would have been more bold in my faith. I wish I would have given more of my time or resources to others. And I think we miss it because we misunderstand the context we're living in. We're trying to make this place our home and be settled as much as possible here when it was never meant to be, but heaven is our home. Listen, I'm not saying that we shouldn't rest and enjoy stuff here because we absolutely should. But when we understand the context we live in, it takes us out of legalism and into right, purposeful perspective. When you understand the context we live in, we understand that our life is too short, our God is too big, and our calling is too important to let go of the steering wheel and just let it drift whatever way it would go. So how do we take back hold of the steering wheel? I want to look back at this passage, talking about our time. Back in verse 16, it says this, making the best use of our time because the days are evil. Now that phrase, making the best use of our time, literally uh, uh, the the actual kind of translates a little more accurately to redeeming the time. So how are we to take back our time? We are to redeem the time. Now, this word actually kind of has an idea of, of ransom. Now, if you're familiar what, what a ransom is, a ransom is to give a collateral or sum of money to buy back a prisoner. And I love the literal picture I see as I study this, is that, that we have all around us imprisoned opportunities waiting for us to ransom them back. We have all around us imprisoned opportunities that we can use our time for, waiting for us to ransom them back. It's taking hold of the steering wheel of our time and our lives, and instead of reacting to our schedules, leading our schedule into the purpose that we are here for. Now, if you kind of think about... uh, ransom for a second. You buy someone or a prisoner back from ransom with collateral. Now, what is uh, what is our collateral? How do we ransom back our time? What is the collateral we give for the time we want to redeem and buy back? It's our choices. It's our choice. And I think we all kind of, for to be honest, would say we feel like there are moments in time, if not most of the time, we feel out of control. Like it's not my choice, I'm just doing what the man told me to do, right? Or I'm just following through what I have to do. <clears throat> but to remind us that we have a choice of how we spend our time. We have a choice to how we spend our time or what we say yes to and what we say no to. And even if we're in a career that's crazy, we have a choice to start to make changes or whatever we need to do to uh, pursue the purpose of God. We say yes to opportunities, to love and bless, but it also means saying no. I think there's one thing that is more important than saying yes to Jesus. I think it's what we say no to. In fact, I think that the road to walk into our calling may be more about what we're willing to say no to than what we're willing to say yes to. For me, this is not something that came naturally. Uh, I got into ministry one of the reasons because I love to bless people. I love to help people. And I am a doer. I love to do it all. So I literally have had to have my wife say, hey, Here's my opportunities. I think this is what God's saying. Just tell me. Help me to say no. I called someone this week. I was like, hey, here's what's going on. I think I need to make this decision. Can you just tell me that I'm thinking the right way and just help me to say no to this? Anyone else have a hard time saying no at times? What we say no to may be as important as what we say yes to. And we see that in Jesus. Jesus walked on the earth, he was fully God and fully man. And because he was fully man, he had limited time. So he's living this eternal purpose in this temporary body. And you see Jesus saying no. Peter came to him and was like, hey, don't go to the cross. <laughs> Jesus had a firm no. He's like, no, 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 get behind me, Satan. I know what I'm supposed to do, Peter, and I'm walking through you to the other side. <laughs> How about uh, the mother of James and John, if you're familiar with this story? Uh, they, they come to Jesus, or she comes to Jesus, and she's like, hey, can you let my son sit in your right hand and your left hand before the throne for all of eternity? Which I love that. I'm like, they had their mom do the dirty work for them. And they're like, hey, mom, can you go, I'm like, can you go ask him that we could be, you know? And there's his mom, you know, their mom kind of giving in. And, and Jesus is like, no, I'm not going to be pressured by your dysfunctional family issues that you're trying to press on to me. Right, you know, Jesus was tempted, right? So he said no to other people's opinions, he said no to people's dysfunction and stopped and didn't cater to it. He said no to temptation, he was tempted in the wilderness. In fact, it said he was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted, and he said. No, We even see Jesus at times. life is busy, ministry was crazy, the needs were abounding. We see Jesus even saying no to people at times so that He can rest. <clears throat> and I love this in Mark 1. Um, God was moving, people were getting healed <clears throat> and he went and everyone it said, everyone was looking for him because the healings were happening, power of God was there. Everyone was looking for him. And so he wakes up, he gets out early, goes spend time with the Father and comes back. And everyone's like, hey, we need you over here. And Jesus is like, nope, I'm going this way. What? He didn't just give in to every need and every opportunity. He understood the will of the Father. He understood the will of the Father and he lived it out by the choices he made. We redeem our time by understanding God's will and we work it out by the choices we make. That's what verse 17 is alluding to, I believe. It says this, Therefore do not be foolish but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not be foolish but understand what the will of the Lord is. You know, there's a difference between knowing stuff and being wise and understanding. And there's also a difference between being passionate and excited about something and being wise and understanding. And I believe what this is saying is don't just go through life reacting to the next thing, but slow down, understand what is going on. You might know a lot or be excited about a lot, but slow down, understand what is going on or what is the will of the Lord and Build with understanding. Proverbs 19, 2 says this, desire without knowledge is not good. And whoever makes haste with his feet misses his way. Proverbs 24, 3 says this, by wisdom a house is built and by understanding it is established. So how do we understand, what is the general will of the Lord and how does that work itself out in a busy schedule? I want to uh, read a passage and use an illustration here. Um, Matthew 6, 33, Jesus is teaching people. He's saying, you know, a lot of people um, are worried about what they eat and drink and wear, But He's saying, no, for you as believers, he says this, you seek first the kingdom of God, and then all these other things that you're worried about and pursuing after, all those things will be added to you. If I can uh, get our illustration out here. Thank you, guys. <clears throat> It's, it's the choices we make and what we choose to pursue first that help kind of dictate the outcome of uh, our purpose and our faith. <clears throat> Thank you guys for the uh, the illustration. I got a few jars, potatoes, sands, and rocks for you. So let me tell you what in the world I'm about to do. <clears throat> um, so this represents our life and what we're doing. These Nice uh, potatoes here. Any sweet potato fans out there? These sweet potato fans. these sweet potato fans. These sweet potatoes represent the most important things in our life. Maybe our, our intimate relationship with God, uh, our relationship with those closest to us, whether we're married or, or kids, or just the closest friends al- along with us, and the community that we're walking with. <clears throat> the most important things are calling. Now these rocks um, they represent maybe you know things we need to, we need to work to make money. They they represent maybe even hobbies things that are good you know things that things that are are, are good and important parts of our life. And this sand represents uh, the things that we kind of fill our space with, right? It represents our uh, the the what the shows we watch the social media we do. Like I said, it's not bad inherently unless it's bad. Uh, it's not bad inherently, but it's kind of neutral, right? So um, so let me kind of illustrate this. So what we often do because we're tired or we're anxious or whatever, we kind of start with what we think will relax us and, and kind of make us at rest, right? And so we take this and, and we kind of like, okay, I'm going to start with this and just kind of browse and get caught up for every friend in my life on social media and kind of watch all the shows and then we're like okay dang i got to get to work i got to make some money and i got a few bills i got to pay i got to got to put those on top I was like man somewhere along the way i probably should be spending time with god and like you know i think god would maybe help me be less stressed Right, if I, if I spend time with them, and when we get is kind of like, okay, I've got to stack this in here. Somehow it doesn't quite fit in. And we're sort of like, man, I don't have any time. I don't have any extra space in my life. I don't know how certain people work jobs and do this and make money and love Jesus and have a healthy marriage. I don't know how to get there. So I want to kind of put that in reverse. Now we've got the same-sized uh, cup of life. We all have 168 hours in our life, right? So let's start with the big rock. So let's start with saying, hey, on any given day, I'm probably going to be an anxious person or whatever your deal is. So let's start with, man, I need Jesus because I'm made for him. He is, he's, the, he's the vine and I'm the branches. I'm made to be connected. Fruit comes from being from connected with him. So I want to start with him. I want to start with being connected with him. Then... Man, we're walking with God. We're, we're trying our best imperfectly to, to live from connection with our spouse or those people around us. We're trying to make prioritizing the right things. And then say, okay, I got that schoolwork to do. I got the bills to pay. I got the job to do. We got we to gotta put this in and fit this in. Oh, look, it fits around that. It's kind of nice, you know. Hey, look. I've been walking with Jesus. I'm living my purpose. I'm paying my bills. I'm going to work. I'm going to class, whatever I'm doing. Look at that same amount of stuff. Look, I got some time to to watch the show I want to watch, right? I got some time to kind of do the things I want. Look at that. Come on. With a little space left on top, even a little extra margin on top. Y'all see what I'm saying? We often fill our time not even knowing it and wonder why it feels like we have less time. And scripture calls us to seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added. To seek first the kingdom of God, to seek a heavenly Father that knows your needs and will give you peace, to seek a heavenly Father that will that will bear fruit in your purpose, and fruit in your marriage, and fruit in your in your friendships, and fruit in your in your workplace. To start with Him and His purpose, say, God, what do you want? Because if I put you first, you make a way for the rest. So listen, I, 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 know, I know none of us are perfect. Like I said, every time, every time I preach, I, I'm like getting my own heart, like, oh, Lord, I repent of this, and I need to grow here, grow here. So I do my own homework this week, and like I've said, I've had to have my own boundaries on my phone or what I do. I know none of us are perfect in this, but my question for us is, does how we spend our time reflect what we believe? I'm not talking the minor details or perfectionism. I'm talking on the thrust of our life. Does how we spend our time and what we prioritize and put in the cup of our life reflect what we believe? Some of us were... We're convinced we don't have time to rest. We're convinced we don't have time for God. We're convinced we don't have time for the relationships that are most important for us. And so we're going through the motions, and and, and, uh, the world and even the enemy of our souls is taking the wheel of our life, and we're just kind of along for the ride, driven by the needs of other people and driven by the needs of life that look legitimate in the moment, but in the big perspective, realize That's not really a big deal. Some of us are driven. Some of us are pleasers. We're trying to please everyone and everything around us. We're trying to keep everyone happy and our life feels like a game of Jenga. And we're like trying to like if I do this, this person from third grade who I saw on social media will think this, and I don't even know them anymore, but, but then I do this, and, and, we're, and my mom this, and, and this person this, and, and we're like trying to control every person and relationship in our life without really realizing it, and we're just worried that in one moment it's going to fall over, and so we're just pleasing everyone around us, trying to, trying to please everyone and everything, but missing the main thing. Some of us, we've lost a sense of urgency. We uh, kind of go through life thinking, "Hey, look at our count. I've got plenty of time. I'm not really doing anything." <laughs> and I believe the Lord will remind us today that you have a purpose. You're here in this short life. It's not an accident. You're breathing here today, it's not an accident. You are gifted by God, it's not an accident. You are in the workplace or the neighborhood or the relationships you're in, it's not an accident. You have a purpose. So rest along the way, take Sabbath, watch a show, whatever, that's, that's not what I'm saying, but some of us need to be reminded today that we have a purpose. If we don't have a perspective of our purpose, this will never make sense. So my question for us Is this no matter what category you fall under? I just mentioned. Will we continue to live our time reacting, or will we lead our time? Will we react to the needs and every uh, thing and person around us, or will we leverage our time in this short life for the kingdom of God? Will we leverage our finances and our relationships and our emotional energy and our words to sow into eternity, so we stand before Jesus? We'll say that wasn't perfect but that was worth it. That was worth it. Will we take a hold of the steering wheel of our life and our time and kind of guide it off those bumps on the side of the road back to the lane, or will we continue to drift?